listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Welcome to the second part of our series, As You Go. Uh, If you missed last week with Pastor Tommy, I think you missed half your life. He is a wild man. Like, what is wrong with that guy? But, you know, here's what I believe. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says, He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. There's something about certain ministry gifts and offices that when they come in, they can actually unlock things in you that even your pastor can't. And so I needed last week, if you missed it, uh, it won't be the same, but you can go to newchapel.com slash watch, and you'll be cracking up and, and turned inside out at the same time in Jesus' name. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. Uh, this whole series is called As You Go, and uh, again, I've, I've tried to name it maybe 10 different times and scrapped the name and started the name, thought it would be all about faith, thought it would be all about the Holy Spirit. And, and what I was feeling at the end was just, yes, it's going to be all of that and more in the month of July. And, and, and really my hope is that it'll help maybe break some of you out of a rut that you might be in. Uh, for others of you, I, I hope that it encourages you. If you have forward motion, I hope it gives you that back wind that you need. And, and because God, listen to me, God has more. Amen, somebody? God has more, and yet at the same time, I see a lot of people that are a little bit tentative. The last two years have been a lot, and, and, and not just for you. You know it's been for everybody, and, and, and we've, we've faced circumstances that have been so hard, and I think that we discount what it's done to our soul. And so I see a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and, and maybe New Chapel's better off than most. I'd agree with that, but, but I still see people, and they're a little bit hesitant. They're a little bit timid. They're a little bit uncertain. They're, they're a little bit resistant for taking a step in their life. Why? Because of negative reinforcement. I mean, I mean let's go on vacation. We, oh, there's travel, and we can't do the... We're out all that money, and, there's, and so it kind of puts a little bit of negative... Like You feel a little bit like a beaten animal. Let's start the business. We're, we're going to go out and start. Oh, gas is 520. This isn't a good time. I, I, let's go for a drive. I, how about a year and a half ago? Like, let's go for a drive. Oh, we can't drive anymore, like, right? Like, we're supposed to hang out in our houses. And, and here's what happens. That, that negative reinforcement, that conditioning, it makes our lives smaller. And, and we don't realize that, gosh, maybe we're, we were more bold before all this happened. Maybe we would have been more apt to hear from God and take a step before all this happened. And so these things, they get into us, and it really messes us up. The sensation of starting and stopping, and we're looking for the next drip from the news of, of what we have permission, whatever that even means, to do. And, and, and that, that drip, it begins to get in us. Somebody else has a vote in our lives, and it made many people lose faith. Maybe not lose the faith, but lose faith. It's made many people lose vision and drive and forward motion, and and you're more hesitant to to, to take a step on a plan that God would have because there's so much going on. And I hear this a lot. A lot of people, in the name of wisdom, 
well, I just, I don't know if it's wise right now. Like, God has this for me, but, but I just, I, I want to use wisdom. I'm telling you, if God called you to do it, you do it. You don't need to outwise God. Say amen, somebody. And so this, this is what I want to deal with today. Philippians 3, I'm going to start in verse 12. Not that I have already attained, Paul's writing this, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I might lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I'm not all that, but one thing, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, he says it again, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, therefore let us, as many are mature, have this mind. And if any of you thinks otherwise, then let God reveal even this to you. Look at me, church. Many of us are in pause mode on our lives. And you're resigning happiness and God's blessing and God's direction for something in the future. Do not miss what God has for you. Do not miss his purpose, his assignment on your life because you feel like a beaten animal. Do not miss because you become timid in this season. Don't miss because of what other people have said, the, the cynics or the critics that would try to cut you down on what God has called you to do. Listen to me, don't do it. The Bible says this, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But listen to me. I believe that. But the Bible also describes something called the gift of faith. A spiritual gift. Something that is supernatural. And my prayer is today and in the remaining weeks of this month that the gift of faith would impart something in you. That there would be an impartation of boldness, that there would be an edge. Many of you get your edge back. Some of you never had an edge, that God would give you that boldness and that you would begin to rise up in your life. I'm believing for an impartation today in Jesus' name. The title of today's message is this, three keys, three keys to making your move. I want to pray for us and I'll jump right in. Bow your heads with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need your spirit. We need your presence. God, Teach us, train us, break us out of our bubble, our box, our, our boxes in our mind. God, help us to be bold in you, not to be in some high pride or haughty, but be confident in the living God. God, we thank you that as we go, we can make a difference in Jesus' name. And everybody said, church, we have to believe that what God did in our lives when we accepted Christ, we have to believe that that moment, that born-again moment, that that did something, that, that something significant happened on the inside, that we were created to do great things. And I believe this. We're created to do those great things and minister and, and, and be able to be effective and make a difference. We're called to do those things out of the overflow, like after things that we've already received. I want to read for you out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, St. Matthew. Uh, this is actually a passage that every single week since we launched church at New Chapel, we've quoted a part of this passage. I want to read it for you, Matthew 10. Of these 12 Jesus sent out, and he commanded. So Jesus is, is uh, sending his guys out, and he's got this, this like instruction, some admonition for him. Verse 7, and as you go... 
Thank you. Come on, somebody. As you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Verse 16, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. What's happening? Jesus is is, is uh, empowering, commissioning his disciples to go, to go and preach the message. And as you go, preach, right? But he says, listen, this is what it looks like. It's going to be miraculous. Like the signs that follow believers, if you read Mark 16, will blow your mind. It's, it's what believers are supposed to do. And he, says, he says, as you do that, it's going to be great. And listen, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Like in the middle of all the encouragement, there's going to be supernatural there's this built-in warning from Jesus that, oh, when miracles happen, when the supernatural takes place, it will infuriate the world. Don't think that because great things are happening and that you're taking ground and people are getting well and that, that his goodness and his presence, like that's, that's going, don't think that makes the world happy. It actually can make them very, very upset that some people will not receive you. In the past two years, uh, you know, in some ways, I look at the country, and I don't recognize parts of it. In other ways, I think, well, that, that was a logical progression. We should have known better. And, and still, in the midst of all of it, I'll hear Christians, and they'll say, well, Pastor Joe, it's not fair. It's not fair. We've been curbed. We can't get our voice out. We're being canceled and silenced. Look at me. I love you. I'm going to say something pretty harsh. You thought it was supposed to be fair? That's what Jesus said? No. In fact, another part of the Bible, close proximity to this, he says, a servant isn't greater than their master. If they hated me, they're going to hate you, trust me. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. By the by, he says, be careful when the world loves you. Might mean you're not making that big of a difference. Might mean you'll close your church doors, though it's strictly forbidden by Scripture. <laughs> Felt good to say, too, I will tell you. God says nothing about it being fair, but he does say you'll walk in the supernatural. He does say there'll be signs and wonders and, 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 and marked moments, but listen, it will infuriate the world, and you have to shake it off. He literally says that. He says you have to shake it off. Before Taylor Swift ever sang it, baby, I'm telling you, Jesus sang it, shake it off. You've got to let go of that junk and realize that it won't make the world happy. Well, Pastor Joe, I lost my boldness. Jesus is saying that they're coming for your boldness. That's what they're trying to attack. They're, they're fine if you are all alone, isolated by yourself with a Bible, because they just know by attrition we'll get rid of the Christians. They're fine with you having a private faith. They hate. They hate the concept of a biblical evangelical gospel coming out of a church. It strikes fear into the hearts of those that are evil in our world. And so we have to realize that persecution is coming. Count on it, everybody. And Jesus is saying this, don't be surprised and don't stop taking ground. Freely you've received, now freely give. It still will not make everybody happy. Don't stop advancing. Wow. We need to get over the fact that things are not fair. It's not going to be fair on Twitter or Facebook or in public forums or in public. I marvel that people are just stumbling onto the fact that we have issues with our election. 
And guys, I'm not talking about you being reckless or being somebody who is uh, doing something unsafe or again operating in some high pride and just go, 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 go. I, I am saying this, hear from God what you're supposed to do and take the step and stop second guessing him and you. And so write this down in response to two years of pressure. I would say you need to say within yourself, I press on. I press on. That's what Paul preached in Philippians. He says, I press. That press, that pressing, that pressure, what does it indicate? Opposition. That not everybody's happy. That it is frustrating other people. Maybe even vocal opponents. And what does he say? You don't need to feel about it. I press on. Well, I feel like, no, listen, if you start factoring in the devastation of the loss, you'll get the feels because we've lost some ground. But if you start to think about the goodness of God and how his great blessing and revival has not been shown before his return, how, how things are going to get better before he comes, if you start thinking about that, though they may be perilous times, if you start thinking about that, you'll start to press beyond feelings. Paul said, I press on. You're made to feel like an outcast because you didn't do everything they wanted you to do at work. You're made to feel like an outcast because you decided to parent your kids a certain way. You cannot take those things into account and let it be something that sticks in your mind, occupying real estate in your head. You have to be somebody that says, no, I can't do that. I have to press towards what God has. Can I hear an amen? If you've decided to be a Christ follower, you have decided, your de facto decision is this, you will be living outside of your comfort zone. I am nine years outside of my comfort zone. When I started planting this church, I'm telling you, not one bit of it was something that was like within my capacity. It was all miraculous. It was all beyond me. And I've learned to make peace with that. That God is not so concerned with my comfort, but he is concerned with my calling and what he has for me. And he is willing to see me stretched over and over again to see his goodness in my life. I want to read for you Proverbs 3. The Bible says this, Trust God from the bottom of your own heart. Don't try to figure out everything. I should tattoo that on my arm. I should, I should have posters of that in my office. You should, we should change the name of the church to Don't Try to Figure Out Everything. On your own, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who's going to keep you on track. And so I, I just wonder if God has spoken to you about a business, about a step, about something to do in your family, maybe about selling your house, buying a certain house, and you look at the gas prices and it's blowing you away, you're, you're being timid. I just wonder, can you begin to factor that out and realize that the big things that God has called you to do, I mean, Listen, it's not going to be comfortable. For the longest time, I've, I've been thinking, okay, we, we're going to need two, maybe three million dollars, and we'll be able to get the size church building that we need to be able to do all of our operations, maybe even keep this building. And I've been thinking two, three million dollars. Well, let me just help you. Uh, the construction market is going through the same inflation that everybody else is. Well, it might cost six or ten million dollars to get what would have bought us a three million dollars awesome, amazing building. What do you have to do? not look at the price tag. You look at God. You allow yourself to be stretched. Okay, this is their build. Oh, Lord, this is the new normal. Here we go. And so if that's the price for it, whatever God calls for, he provides for, I'm in God. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be intimidated by it all. I know this is more of a preaching message than you're used to from me. Help a brother out. Talk to me, everybody. Like, 
We need to take ground, don't we? I want to read for you Ecclesiastes 11. And this is a, a passage of Scripture that, I'll just be honest with you, for somebody that teaches the Bible, and I love giving you concrete thoughts, and I'll be the first to tell you, you can know the character of God, and you can know His call for your life, but that doesn't mean you're going to know everything. Solomon, wisest man to ever walk the earth besides Jesus, he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 11. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. If you're waiting, church, if you're waiting for a perfect moment and a perfect set of circumstances for you to do what God has called you to do, let me just help you. That perfect scenario is a myth. It's not coming and it won't happen. It's not going to appear. Now, there might be a time where God says, and that will be the ideal time. But if you're even looking for like an ideal time to trust God, to follow God, it's today. You, you don't have to wait for that at all. You can just be like, God, what you've called me to do right now, I, I could go do it. You need nothing more than the last word that you receive from God because you don't know. You don't know everything. And if you're looking at the wind for all of that, it will not fulfill you. Some of my most treasured moments, closest moments that I've ever had with God, they've been moments where I didn't understand what was happening. I talked about planning the church before, and, and we, it takes a lot of money to plant a church, just a lot. And, and it was a lot more than this, you know, northern boy, like, knew how to, knew how to shell out. I remember, like, pantomiming, signing checks to vendors, and, and, and believing God, and impressing, and, and and I had no idea where the money was going to come from. And I honestly, I'm a bad fundraiser. I'm awful. I just feel TBN about it, all slippery and stuff. But, like I couldn't tell people if you sow your miracle offering in the new chapel, I'll give you some healing water from the Grand River. And like, I just, <laughs> I'm not that guy, you know. And so like we struggled. And, and I remember praying, like, God, we need this. We need to launch. You've called us to launch. I just trust that you're going to bring it in. And Kai would be like, how's this going to happen? And I remember praying something. It's become an anthem in my life when I don't know. Somehow, some way, in Jesus' name. I don't need to figure God out. I don't need to solve this. My thinking isn't going to solve this. Come on, control heads. Figuring it out, getting lost in your mind. You're in a 55 drive, and all of a sudden you look down, oh my gosh, I've been thinking, and now I'm going 80. You know, like... You can't figure it all out. Somehow, some way, in Jesus' name, Lord, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Now listen, again, I'm not talking about being foolish. The Bible says count the cost of the tower before you build. Do all of those things. Do the best you can in the natural. But don't justify inactivity because of the natural. Move. Advance. Even when you don't understand. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Don't assume... <laughs> Uh, hearing something my dad told me when I was younger. Don't assume that you know it all. What am I supposed to do? Run to God. Run from evil. Do this. Can I put that? Do the stuff that you know. Do the thing. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to trust Him. You know what's evil. You, in fact, how about this? You might take a step and think you're doing the right thing. If it's wrong, God will tell you. Don't be so severe with yourself that you go paralyzed, go into spiritual paralysis because you're like, I don't know. God, you need to confirm a thousand. Take a step. Try it out. He will tell you whether you're messing up. You think God's so severe? He's a father. 
He's trying to teach you how to be well-conditioned to his, his word and how he's trying to lead you. Don't think of him like he's so severe. Test the waters. Take a step. Paul, the apostle, not in my notes, but he, he tried different areas of the world to, to see about his missions endeavors. And the Bible says that the Spirit forbade him. And I went off to Asia Minor and the Spirit forbade me. Well, that was at great expense. That was using tithers' money on something that we had no plan for. Exactly. And God is still gracious in all of that. He'll let you try things out and test the waters. That's a good word that I should have written down. Okay. Now, write this down. Real victory and real breakthrough are realized only through trusting God. That's the only place you're going to be happy. That's the only place you're going to have peace. You can do whatever you want to do. Oh, no, you can't. You can do whatever God has called you to do. And that's where your forward momentum is going to be. That's what you'll be successful at. That's what you'll be fulfilled in. You may think that you can leave and do whatever you want to do, but you'll never be successful in the world. It'll never fulfill you. It'll never, it'll never uh, in, in a deep, visceral, uh, primal sense, fulfill the call, the purpose that God has put in you. You can try to fake and showboat and peacock in the world, but it will never check the box of what God has in you. That's what you'll be successful at. That's the purpose and the pull from heaven. Boy, I'm preaching good today. The most powerful tool in your tool bag, it comes from you trusting God at all times. Not you being a person that's calculating everything and having a business plan and man's plans and, and, and all the things that you can see in the natural. We walk by faith, not by sight. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 5 now. Next verse. As you do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. What is he saying? If you're waiting to figure it all out, you won't take your first step. You know, I've got one of those iPhones. Maybe you have an iPhone or a lesser phone. And uh, I've got a camera on there. And, and like you, for the first several years of owning it, I took a picture of everything I was eating that looked cool, you know. Even a filet of fish. Like, I was down. And... and uh, but like, you know, you got that camera, and, and think about it, like, I don't know how that camera works, but I still work it. I get into my car. I wish I knew how to change my own oil, everybody. Think about how much money we all can save. I don't know how that thing works. When I go into the shop and they tell me what's broken, I'm like, oh, yes, 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 the flux capacitor, I understand, you know. <laughs> was it working? Fluxing. Much flux was happening. How much? You know, and like... I try to put on, I don't know how it works, but I can work the car. I got keys. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? I don't know how the government's listening to me through my phone, but I still have a phone. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. He says, I don't know how a body's formed in the mother's womb. I don't know how a baby's put together. That's a miracle. I don't know how all that happens. I know I do my part, but like I, I don't know. <laughs> Yikes. But I, you don't know the mechanics of how God can make a seed into a tree. And, and, and with a, oh yeah, it's very simple. And they show you all the things. They don't know how it works. It's a miracle. It's God breathing life into this world. And what he's saying is just in the same way, you don't know how any of that stuff works, you're not going to understand God. Like even when you say, I understand the character of God, which you can doesn't mean that you have him figured out two different things. And that's why we don't need to understand it all before we take a step of faith. Why is it? 
We can drive our cars and use our phones and, and have children. We don't understand anything about how that process works. And at the same time, with God, we want to know everything. Oh, God, I'm going to put a fleece out. God, I want you to confirm it three different times. God, I, I need a word from somebody. <laughs> I need a prophetic word from Sister Yeye. Who's that? You go up to that old Pentecostal lady at church, you yeah, yeah, the Lord says unto thee. You know, I mean, Sister Yeah, yeah, you know, get her to say something, God, then I'll believe it. And you don't need that. God wants to train you to hear his voice. Take steps of faith with him. You and God are a majority. You don't need everybody else's vote, not their opinion. You can succeed with God. And let me say something. The only person that has a vote in your calling is you. God will not allow another man to weigh you down against what he has called you to accomplish. Wow. That's the Holy Ghost. Again, not in my notes. Verse 6. Sow your seed in the morning. Told you I had my part. Sow your seed in the morning and let at the evening your hands not be idle or you do not know, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that or whether both will do equally well. What is he talking about? Farmers. Farmers don't go out there, and, and you might have a farmer's almanac. You ready for old school? I got my almanac, everybody. And, and there might be like certain lunar cycles to plan and certain things like that. If you don't know any of that, you think I'm talking about a horoscope. I'm not, just talking about gravity and things like that, and a pole, kind of like a tide, and it helps certain times to plant versus others. And they look at certain things. But there's been years in Michigan where we've had a frost that just showed up in the spring and, and it starts taking out our apple crop or, or other factors or a wet, soggy field and we're, we're worried about a mold or something like that. You just have to plant. What a farmer's going to tell you is there might be some ideal like ideas, but there is no perfect time. There's no perfect day. And if there's a perfect day, it's always after we planted the whole day. You're like, man, that was the perfect day to have a garage sale. That was perfect. You plan to have a garage sale. You look at everything, try to plan it out. Trust me, or tornado is going to be ripping through your neighborhood with rain, and it's going to snow. And you'll see the devil smiling at you in a car going by because that's Michigan weather. <laughs> sorry, not my message. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> what are you saying? Write it down. Press on. Sure, press on. Even though you don't understand it all. Because you don't need to. You need to understand God has it, and I trust my God. Number two, got to move on. Three keys to making your move as you go, right? You need to say within yourself, God, I'm choosing to forget. I'm choosing, I'm making a decision to forget. We press on, yes, but if you carry the baggage, the junk from your past into your new season, it will pollute your new season. I love 80s movies. How many of y'all know uh, this movie's called Labyrinth? Very scriptural, holy movie. If you've never seen it, you don't see movies. very godly. Um, but it's part of my childhood. And I remember this lady that's like a junk lady. And she tries to get other people to become like her. And it's, it's to weigh you down with all the stuff of this world. And you got to press on. There's a forward for you for sure. But listen to me. You can't take the past into it. You're going to have to leave it behind. You know, the last two years have been costly. But how about this? life will dish you out something that has loss to it. You'll experience loss. We'll, we'll experience career loss or loss of innocence. The last two years, the, the, the feeling of like my freedom getting cramped or maybe the freedom of our security 
being assaulted. How about this? Loss. You might have lost people to this awful plague and, 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 and lost opportunities during this season and even others. And weighty themes aren't just for the last two and a half years or so. It, it, it's, it's a weightiness to life. We, we experience things that are heavy, and, and, and we have decisions that we have to make. You might get bad news or bad doctor's call, and, and there, there, there might be an assault against you at church, a, a relationship that's broken, financial issues, and, and, and at the end, it's weighty on you. It's, it weighs. Maybe it's something you did, bad decisions. Or you calculated things were going to work a certain way and they didn't turn out that way. Or maybe it's sin. Maybe you did something and just it, you look back at it and you think, and I've got things like this. Like you look back like that, that was the place of my failure. That was the place. That was oh, that moment, that time, that literal place. And it weighs on our lives. None of us are exempt. And certainly in the last two, two and a half years, the patina of the world gets on us and it can just weigh you down to the spot where it's just like, ick, what is this? And it's hard sometimes to identify what it is, and that's why and I have a license to do this. I'm going to give you a very severe answer to it all. What do I do? Pastor, how do, how do I find peace? Here it is. Forget. You're going to have to lick your wounds, cut your losses. And as you press into that next season, you have to forget that place of failure. You're going to forget the bad decision. Forget the broken relationship. I have to move on with my life. Your life is for living. And if you're sourcing your life out of something you did in the past, it will weigh you down. You'll never be all that God has called you to be. Thinking, even in humility, that I, I need to acknowledge that. Constantly acknowledge, well, I did this. Well, I did this. Stop doing that. Makes me think about in the Bible, that story in 2 Kings 5. There's a man with leprosy, and he's got all these boils all over his body, skin's messed up. He heard about a prophet of God that had miracles and signs in his ministry, and so he, he, he went on a long journey. He was bougie-bougie, very affluent guy, and uh, he, he took all of his servants with him and went to go see the prophet to be healed. And when he got to the prophet's house, the prophet, he big-timed him. Preacher big-times him. He's back in the green room discipling his microphone, and, uh, and one of the GO team members comes up and says, hey, this guy's here, he's got leprosy, he says, you go tell him to go dip in the river seven times, he'll be all right. He came from a long, he'll be all right. So the servant goes out and talks to the guy with leprosy, he says, you go out and dip in this certain river, you do it seven times, and the prophet says, you'll be healed. Where is he? I heard that there was like a gift. I heard that sometimes he takes his jacket off and he'll hit you real hard and then the leprosy, it keeps going, but you stay. You know, like, like I'm, I'm here for the miracle. I'm here for, I'm here for the spectacular. And often, when we chase spectacular, we miss the supernatural. And so this man, this affluent man, he was upset. The Bible says that he was angry about it, that it was a hassle for him, but he still did it. He still obeyed the prophet. He went to the river. He dipped the seven times. And it's amazing to me that, that even though he was still mad, and even though we may go through seasons where we are upset or we're, we feel like we're damaged goods or we still have that patina, when the man obeyed, God healed him anyway, even though he was upset about the trouble that it cost him. And so to you, you may be upset about it all. You may be frustrated. Do it upset. Well, I'm afraid, Pastor Joe. Do it afraid. 
you take the step of faith. And listen, God will still honor your obedience. Write it down. He will honor your obedience, not your feelings. I feel upset or I feel afraid or I feel like it should have been earlier or different. This shouldn't have happened. And if it was, why didn't he... Listen, God's not going to honor your feelings. I'm so sorry. He cares about you, cares greatly. But that's not the currency... I wish you'd get this. That's not the currency of his blessing. It's trusting him. It's obeying him. It's taking that step of faith in Jesus' name. Say amen, somebody. Wow, he knows what you've been through. He knows the stupid things you've done. And he's still gracious. Wow. Well, Pastor Joe, they're talking about me. Okay? Let's give them something to talk about. Well, I was messed up, and they know, and they, now I'm coming by the church. And they, Let's give them something to talk about. Man, God really did something in that guy's life. I don't know what it is. He used to be this, and now he's this. <laughs> they used to be crazy gossip, all about themselves, conceited, but, but now they're serving other people. Let's give them something to talk about, New Chapel. Let's let them say that they believe in God. They trust Him. They'll put their necks on the line to see God's goodness in their families, in their homes, in their church. Look at them. They are tongue-talking, miracle-believing, faith-filled Christians who don't stop even when things are hard. They are in a word, going as you go. Come on, somebody. Do you know what I'm talking about? Give them something to talk about. You got a gossiping cousin? Feed her the lines. Because you are not who other people say you are. God says that you are. i got to move on. The, the key to walking in number two is the third point. Number three, you need to say within yourself, God, I choose to reach forward. I press on, forgetting those things which are behind me, and I'm reaching forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm reaching. I'm choosing God to believe at whatever age I am, Whatever marital status, whatever gift set, whatever education, God, I choose to believe that your best is yet to come in my life. That my best days I've yet to see. That God, you are not done with me. If you were done with me, I wouldn't be sucking oxygen anymore. God, there's more. Makes me think of a story. It's in 1 Samuel. Uh, Jonathan was fighting these, these um, opponents to the children of Israel, to the kingdom of God. And uh, he sees kind of an inn. And this is what it says. I'll read it for you in 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, come let us go to the garrison. It may be, everybody say it may be, one, two, three, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord for saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, good armor bearer, do all that is in your heart. Go, there's that word again, go then, here I am with you. They feel like God has called them to go do something, even though there's pressure. There's a pressing on their life. They feel like God has called them to do something, to take ground. And they don't even have the definitive word. I love what he says. It may be. Some of the greatest decisions in your Bible were made on somebody's seamer. You read the book of Acts where they said, 
Should we send these guys out? Seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. Big, major, history-changing details. I think God's going to fight on our behalf. I think something good is going to happen to me. I think we're going to win. It may be. Lord can do it. He can say by many or by few. We'll see how this pans out. I'm in, God. I know you've called me to victory. That's settled in my heart. So here's an opponent. Here's an end. And I love his armor bearer. What does he say? Do all that's in your heart. Like, let's do it. Why do we think that we have to sit on the backside of some cave for 15 years, kumbaya, to hear God's voice about what he's called us to do and where he's called us to advance? Why? Why don't we sink in to that calling and say, God, you can hold me back if you'd like. You can tell me if I'm doing something wrong, but I'm not going to sit my life on my hands waiting for the blessing of God. It comes as, as, as you go. It doesn't happen before. I think about some of these people I went to Bible school with. Some of them were the most anointed people I've ever seen. And I remember talking to them right after we graduated. I said, how's everything going? You getting any gigs? I actually was an evangelist major in Bible school. You know that about me. You getting any gigs? You, you preaching any place? No, 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 no. But I'm writing a lot of sermons, getting a lot of sermons. And I'm telling you, those guys never got the gigs. They never planted a church. They're not working at a church. Some of them are selling insurance today. Nothing wrong with doing that unless you're called to do something else. But they got the finest messages that you could ever imagine. I don't know if I'm a good preacher or not, but I am a man who has stepped out and trusted God when everything was against me, when nothing looked like it was going to add up. And I might not have everything perfect, but the anointing and the provision and everything comes on that step, friend. Otherwise, you'll just be a librarian of wonderful dreams, and visions, and calls. Wow. You can have faith and feel fear at the same time. What do you do? Make faith the decision maker. What did these guys do? They ran to the problem. They didn't run far from it. They leaned into the hard thing. And you know, I see so many, not in this church, we'll put it that way, but in other churches that when things get hard, they run from it. Something bad happens. And, well, listen, I don't think it's God's timing. Wait a second. Did the bad thing happen or did God say it's not my timing? Because if you're putting your finger to the wind, you don't know which way it's going to blow. You sow when he tells you to sow. Well, I, I, I don't know if it's supposed to be this time for me to do it. What do we do? We whine and complain and murmur and gossip instead of saying, God, the hard thing that I'm facing may just well be an indicator that hell hates what you've called me to. That the evil that's coming against me or the murmuring or the backbiting or the opposition. I remember when Kai and I were first married, we were so broke. Had nothing. I remember thinking, like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to marry a girl? Kai's family was stable. I, I did not. Uh, I had holes in my shoes when we were dating. But if you wait for everything to be perfect, if you tell your kids to get out of college and pay off all their debt before they get married at the young age of 36, the Bible says, love the wife of your youth. 
If we're waiting for everything in our minds to add up before we take a God step, you are serving a God that's no bigger than what you can figure out in your head, and you need no God. I have a license to do this. Yeah, why not? Give God praise. Nothing else to do. <laughs> Amen or oh me, I don't know. That's why we pray. That's why we fast. That's why we tithe. That's why we're generous. Why? Because nothing supernatural is going to happen without that natural step, without trusting God as you go, as you take that step. We think in messages like this, we get excited. We're like, yeah, go get them, God. And we're all waiting for the next great move of God, and God is up in heaven waiting for the next great move of his church as you go. Get up, get moving, take ground. It doesn't have to be perfect. He can work it out as you go. One last story. Esther in the Bible shows us this. I'm going to do an awful job explaining it, but in essence, there was some pressure put on the children of God. And the king was known, he's kind of a narcissist, like, I'm not taking company all the time. I'm not talking to anybody. If I do want to talk to anybody, I'm going to lift my scepter in the air. And even people that went and talked to him didn't get what they wanted all the time. And Esther felt that she was called of God to go talk to the king. And she's talking to some of the wisdom in her life. And Sometimes I love young Christians because they haven't been around old Christians enough to talk them out of faith. Esther's like, I feel like i got to do this, and they're talking to her and everything. She, she, in essence, says this, if I perish, I perish. If he kills me, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going anyway. Here's what happened. She goes to the palace, and without even seeing her, the king has a scepter in, in the air, and he's saying, whoever it is, I don't even know, you come in here, and I'll give you up to half my kingdom. I mean, it was like Don Vito Corleone, his daughter's getting married, no Sicilian can refuse a request on his daughter's wedding day. This guy may have been from Italy, I'm just saying. I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. She goes there and she talks to him, the rest is history. But I love what she said. If I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. there's no guarantees. But I'm going with God anyway, and that's enough for me. Write this down, so huge that you get this. So much of what God has for you, it's actually tied to what you don't understand. I want that to sit there for a second. She's like, okay, I understand that. I don't understand. Well, that's a good step. Do you understand that when you start taking steps of faith in what he has called you to do, what you know he's called you to do, you still probably won't. You make peace with that friend and you'll be dangerous. So much of what God has for you is tied what you don't know. And so today, it's time for you to take a risk, if we can even put it that way with your faith. It's time for you to believe the word that God has given you. It's time for you to stop holding him back in your life. I believe that many in the sound of my voice here today, you've been called by God to step out of the boat, and yet at the same time, you've been tentative with your faith and with your life and taking that step because you've been putting your finger to the air to test where the wind is. And today God is saying, jump out of the boat despite what things look like. So much of what God has for you is tied to what you don't even know today. God gets it. And what is he saying to you? Hear me now. I want a journey with you. God would say this, trust the process 
because your greatest days have yet to come. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this forward motion, this this back wind that you're putting in your church right now. It is the wind of the Holy Spirit. God, we don't need to figure out the Holy Spirit by testing the wind. We need to We need to trust what you've called us to do. And so, Lord, I pray right now for my church, for men and women, to stop discounting their age, stop discounting the position that they have in life, failures, or even their successes. But God, to go back to the last thing that you've called them to do. Lord, I thank you though it may not be perfectly worked out in their mind, they can take a step even today. And as they go, you can write the story with them. God, I pray for a holy boldness, an impartation of boldness in this room. That God, the people of faith would walk by faith and not by sight. God, I thank you that you honor their decisions and bless the works of their hands. God, as I preach this message, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another second. You came into this room and you heard about a God that loves you, that's for you, that has great plans for you, but you, not, you may not be right with God, whatever that even means. I want to give you that opportunity to make peace with your God. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. That's you giving up control of your life and you'll, you'll gain a heaven and avoid a Christless hell, but that eternal life, it starts today. Something in you will turn on. You'll be changed from the inside out. If that's you, you're in the sound of my voice, you, you want to pray that prayer, we're going to do it. And church, I want you to pray this out loud in support of those that are praying it and really is a declaration of your faith. Pray this loud and proud Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I now call Jesus Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Just quickly, if you did accept Christ in here today, we love you and we're for you and we're proud of you. It's the best decision we ever made. If you'd be so bold to grab that connection card we talked about earlier and check the box that says, I accepted Christ, let us know just a couple lines of info I want to send you a note talking about next steps that God has for you. He has incredible things, and the least of which we like to say around here is to fill out that card. If you came with somebody that accepted Christ, encourage them today. Tell somebody God's greatest works in your life are yet to come. One more time, church. Let's give it up loud and proud. Come on, somebody louder than that. Hey, stand up on your feet. I hope that you got something out of this message. There's a little bit of preach today. I hope that's all right. I was an evangelist major, I will say. Uh, I want to give you just a couple of announcements before we dismiss, uh, the first of which is that we are having a church-wide 
uh, visit to the Whitecaps, and that's going to be coming up in short order. If you could throw up that slide, guys. Uh, this Whitecaps game, here's what we've done. Uh, we've bought a ton of tickets, and with those tickets, uh, we're offering them at half price for the first 25 people that buy them from guest services. Church is just going to eat that. We had somebody donate the money, actually. And so uh, on the other end of that, uh, if you want to buy them, they're going to be the same price that they would be at the door, and that is 10 bucks. And so, uh, Pastor Brian, what date is that? Ah, fireworks, right? So listen, we're going to be on that little like grassy area. And so like bring kids, fireworks night, 10 bucks. It is something that I think all of us should be a part of. Uh, we're changing the way that we're doing small groups in the summer. And it's because of just a short nine-year science experiment I've conducted that says you don't attend small groups in the summer. Uh, we only get three months of good weather, and so instead of doing our curriculum-based groups, what we're going to have is social opportunities like this for us as a church to get out of our four walls and go have some fun together in community. So uh, don't forget about that. Also, I want to talk to you about a cool announcement that's come up just in the past uh, week. This week, I got final confirmation. Uh, we are calling it Best Summer Ever, and uh, we have a cool speaker's lineup yeah, so it's the 28th right there. Go ahead and throw up that other slide, guys, for our speaker lineup in July. And that is to say that on July 3rd, we are having Justin Barclay, our own Justin Barclay. He'll be preaching on July 3rd. Not at Whitecaps, though that slide looks like it's Whitecaps. He'll be here. And he'll be preaching for both of our services. On July 10th, Pastor Eric will be preaching, and I got confirmation this week that Garrett Soldano will be preaching both of our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock services here at New Chapel. Are you excited about that? That's pretty cool. Now you say, Pastor Joe, what about that? Let me tell you about that. I was reading his book, God's True Law, which is a parenting book, all about raising kids in a godly way with scriptures and the whole deal. I like what he had to say before he's ever taken the first step in any of his public endeavors. I think he's been a friend to this church, and I want to have him in. What's he going to be saying? He's going to be preaching the Word of God. That's what he's going to be doing. And many of us do want to meet him. He'll be out there. We're also having our own Mrs. Amer uh, Mrs. Michigan, who attends New Chapel. She'll be out there for pictures with Garrett. And uh, so Miss Cammie Locks, who is Mrs. Michigan, she'll be out there that day. So July 17th is going to be massive. And then this young evangelist is going to be there on the 24th. And so it's going to be... It's going to be a good month. Mark it down. You don't want to miss one week of it. It's going to be phenomenal. Guys, I love you. This series is just starting. Don't miss next week. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week.